Hi, I'm Ernie Hudson, everybody's favorite Ghostbuster, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us we have the Stone Cold Stunner, Mike. Uh, we have the Papoose to go. Ross, how's it going? We have the Razor's Edge with Curtis. Hey, Chico. <laughs> we have the three six nine leg kicky thing <laughs> with Greg. That guy's still on this show. And we have the guy trying to keep us all together, the People's Elbow, CBS. <laughs> I was really hoping for more like a sleeper so I could choke the shit out of every one of you. <laughs> Hi. And then we also have the Million Dollar Dream with Rob. Hi. Pulled that Hi. out of left field. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's Rob. This is, this is digging way back with the Million Dollar Dream. I was going to say the Camel Clutch, but this isn't the right show for that. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> That's the other podcast. I should have known Sharpshooter. For Steve That would have been a good one. Yeah. Stinger Splash. <laughs> I, I don't know. This WC. But the, pa- the Papoose to go was the Native American guy's move where he threw him off the ring and then got him up behind his back and twisted and fell on the ground on top oh of him. Gosh. That thing was freaking awesome, was actually. Tatanka? Yeah, was Tatanka. Tatanka. Oh, Tatanka. Yeah. We're having good stuff <laughs> with that. Okay, so, uh... <laughs> you also wanna... got a funny name to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tatanka. I think it means Tatanka. Yes. <laughs> you know I've been told that? I think it means Buffalo. Sounds right. I think, I think Kevin stuff. Costner figured that out. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yes, Tatanka! 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 You that or mean something totally different. Lots of Tatanka! Tatanka everywhere! <laughs> right. Until they were his, all killed. His real name was <laughs> Dancing with Turd. I, I don't know what translation got <laughs> lost. Yeah, I mean, something like Right, that. we'll tell him he's dancing with wolves, but... <laughs> well, you know, he tries. <laughs> his real he tries name my is, patience. <laughs> his real name is Turd Burglar. Oh, I don't necessarily think that's totally true, but... Hey, so, welcome to uh, hmm. episode number 48. That's a big number. It's what I like. <laughs> hey, all right. Oh, so today we're gonna do issues of we're gonna do issue. No, God, the first issue will be Spider-Man and the X-Men number one. God, Thunderworld number one from Multiverse, Eddie, DC Comics. Then we have the Bitch Planet number one, uh, Spider-Woman number two, and then Batman and Robin <laughs> number thirty-seven. <laughs> it's like it's the one, one, two, thirty-seven. <laughs> Someone does not account. <laughs> Math awesome. is hard. That's perfect. Ah, uh, well, let's go and start with a little bit of news from Ross and the Dogpile. God damn it! <laughs> we probably one of the. And there's a lot of big news, actually, in the past couple weeks. But one of the bigger things that happened recently was DC announced that they're canceling a whole bunch of books. Which, I mean, isn't a super big surprise, because it's a pretty regular thing now. Take that, readers! Yeah. Um, So, list of books is Arkham Manor, which is kind of crazy, because... It's only issue two just came out, like, two weeks ago, and it's pretty good. And Uh, we got Batwoman. Okay. Which... That's kind of crazy, yeah, a little bit. 
keep an eye out because Ragman and Etrigan are both making appearances in that book now. Oh, that's close. Cool. Uh, Clarion. Big shocker the there. The Witch Boy? Well, I mean, they didn't even really give that one a chance either, but... Yeah, yeah it kind of came out and just... Yeah. Uh, we have... This is the really big one for me, is they canceled three of the Green Lantern books. So they canceled Red Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, and Green Lantern New Guardians. Yeah. Which... I'm kind of wondering if that's going to be something to do with the end of God's Head. But well, these aren't going to take place until issue 40? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. Well, it was, ex it was expected because uh, for New Guardians, because Justin Jordan announced prior to this announcement that he was leaving the book, so it kind of just coincided, I think, or DC's got another direction they want to take him. Uh, as we know, it's all going to be after Convergence anyway, so. Yeah. Huh. It, it also falls in line with Charles Soule leaving Red Lantern. And one of the other ones that's ending is Swamp Thing, which is also his book. So, the Charles Soul got signed to the whole um, Marvel exclusive, which just means he can't write DC books. Yeah, so and that's the, those will be his last issues of all those hmm. books. Which I don't know. It kind of it kind of stinks, but I guess it's kind of cool to end it with the one of the main creators on the books too. I guess. I mean, as far as like issues which are concerned. Book? Isn't Red Lantern and Swamp Thing both? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, he, he didn't create... I, I mean, he meant started with different people. No, 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 no. I just meant, like... The, he's been on he's for been a while. He's been doing his own thing with it for a little while and doing right. a pretty good job with it. Definitely. No, I agree with just that. Just kind of throwing somebody in there for the last few issues just to kind of... Right. Yeah. Just like to, Scott Lobdell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. um, Secret Origin is ending. Right. Which I think that one pretty much had an ending point coming up anyway, you know. Only so many well, origins. I mean, how many, tell. yeah, exactly. If you're doing three a book, how many secret origins can you possibly have? Mm -hmm. Trinity of Sin? I don't know. Ask Wolverine. He's dead. <laughs> That's not an origin. And he had uh, Trinity of Sin, which I think this one's kind of been in the works, too. Because they ended all three books that made up the Trinity of Sin, and then put them into their own book and probably just the path to ending them. Yeah. It just seems like a redundant book for Justice League Dark and things like that. Yeah. So. I mean, they kind of lost their... I mean, they, they're all really cool characters, but mm -hmm. their big thing was the uh, Justice League story mm -hmm. that led into Forever Evil, and so kind of once you hit that, I'm sure there still were stories to tell with them, but... I'm assuming that's why it ultimately went to ending, is that they thought they could keep it going. And, Maybe they decided to drop the new off New 52 and then Pandora didn't matter anymore. Probably. Maybe. Well, I mean, if they're... If they're going where we think they're going with Collision, the wrap-up for that story might be a lead-in to Collision. Nah. <laughs> nah. I can see that, maybe. An unlikely. Jack agrees. <laughs> um, and the weekly books will be coming to an end at that time. So both Batman Eternal and Future's uh, End. Future's End, which then, that's just their time to end. It's not like they're actually being canceled or right, anything. And then isn't it Earth, Earth Two as yeah. well? Earth yeah. Two World War or World War? World's, World's End. End. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Aquaman and the others, which. It's kind of sad, but that one, you can kind of see it ending, too. 
It's yeah. cool that Aquaman got two books for as long as he did, though. It's kind of a crazy thing. It's, I don't think that's ever happened before. But having two books solely for Aquaman, that was a stretch anyway. Yeah. And I mean, not that either of them were bad, but neither mm -hmm. of them were doing anything like really crazy either, so. No, I agree. Hopefully the others get kind of folded into the regular Aquaman story again at that point. That'd be cool. Hmm. This is possible. Um, G.I. Zombie. Star Spangled War Stories? Yep. Featuring G.I. Zombie? Hmm. So another, uh... Another one of those, uh... What, what do they call them when they're, when they're built to be interchangeable character books? Yep. What do you call that? Yeah. I guess Anthology? Anthology? Okay. Yeah, that's what that's what it'd be. Another one. Rob? No, well, I think it's more of an anthology. Another failure of an anthology book. Good job. We had uh, All Star Westerns um, anthology book turned to Jonah Hex, now canceled. Mm -hmm. We had uh, DC Presents, which, I mean, that's obviously what it is by the name of the title. Then you come to War Stories. Origins. Origins. Uh, what was the one with uh, Amethyst in it? No, sword and sorcery. Sword and sorcery. Gem world. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I kinda, I don't that's know, something different that sucks. Yeah, I don't even know if sword and sorcery is ever meant to be any other. Characters. The title was sword and sorcery. Wasn't threshold kind of supposed to be? Yep. I don't think yeah. it started that way, but that's what definitely when it came out, it was fun. That's what it was. Yeah. So it's like DC really wants to have an in, a, a change up anthology book to just to throw new crap at the wall and see if it sticks. But they can't make it work. Yeah, uh, the execution's off. They're missing the obvious title, which is their old one, Brave and the Bold. Oh, right. And I'm surprised they haven't tried to do just a Brave and the Bold. Uh, I think they were trying to turn World's Finest into that. And isn't that on that list, Ross? Yeah, World's Finest is ending as well. This is actually the next one on the list. Hmm, I wonder how that happened. It was a story about Power Girl and Huntress. And then it became a book about Batman Superman. It's too bad we don't have a Batman Superman book. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, we do. We're in his alternate universe, though, right? Doesn't matter. But you gotta think, dude. <laughs> Batman and Superman sell. They were trying to Batman. get sales back up on that damn book. Hey, I think that book was doing just fine before they put so. those two in there and they killed it. I don't think so. Because if you wanted to read Batman and Superman, you'd read Batman and Superman. Regardless of what world it was supposed to be, it's still Batman and Superman. Earth Whatever. 2 or not. Whatever. It's alright. <laughs> I, like, I like the ladies. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I feel it didn't. I feel it hurt it more than it helped it too. But I think I think it was probably an attempt to help it that ultimately mm -hmm. hurt it. Mm. Nice. Yeah, you should put Hawk Girl in there. Hawk Girl, that'd be cool. I would like that. Or Zatanna. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if we do get a Brave and the Bold. Actually, that's actually a really good idea. So I, yeah. I hope so. I'd like that a lot. Well, then it'd be interchangeable. Yeah, then you can do really whatever want. you want for it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Team up of the week. As long as they don't do Challenges of the Unknown as their second book. Oh my god, right? <laughs> Freaking retards. Dead Man, Challenges of the Unknown. <laughs> yeah, that did, that did kind of sink, because the last one was really cool. With, uh, oh yeah, Dead Man was it, great. Dead Man was cool, wasn't the very Blue last Devil. one they did? Was it like Hawkman and... Yeah. No, it wasn't Hawkman. It was Black Lightning Black and Blue Lightning Devil. Black Lightning and Blue Devil. That yeah, was cool. that was good. And they had um, a one-shot. Yeah. 
Yeah, they had their, their Arsenal story. They had a one-shot Kid Flash with the Dino people. That was an addition to the Teen Titans run. The Vandal Savage run. That was good. Oh, yeah. With the Silence of the Lamb Vandal Savage stuff. Yeah, it was great. But anyhow. And then the very last one is Infinity... Uh, Infinity Man and the Forever People. Yeah. Which, not a huge surprise there either, I don't think. You know, the, the one book I'm really surprised is not on there is Earth 2. Well, yeah. they can blow it up. So we can't end the story about blowing it up. Sorry. I, I am. I'm, my <laughs> guess is Earth 2 and Earth 2 World's End are both going to tie in a lot to. Uh, collision? Convergence. Convergence. When it happens. I keep wanting to call it Convergence. It's because they collision over Marvel. <laughs> convergence. So, if that's the case, I, I guess they don't destroy Earth 2, then it invalidates all the Earth 2 refugees, I guess. Yeah. Earth 2 refugees. Gosh, words. I don't know. That's a, good, uh, that's, a that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about the Earth Two thing not being canceled. Yeah. Well, and that's when we were talking about the Green Lantern books being canceled earlier. I totally forgot about Sinestro. Oh right. It's kind of well, cool that I, I was kind of thinking they were just trying to narrow it down to just one Green Lantern book, but they're gonna have Sinestro running too, which will be yeah. awesome. Just the last men standing, or the first two from the original series. Yeah. Well, there was talks about them getting rid of all the Rainbow Rings, so that might be an out. They Man, if they do, though, then I mean, we still have what's Sinestro going to be doing? Well, no, he was still one of the original Yellow Rings. We're talking he, about getting rid of like red. So we want to drop all the other colors. Indigo. Just go the back blue, to fear the, and the. Yeah. That's that's toss. I don't know if mm -hmm. there's any substantiation mm -hmm. behind it. I could see where that would be good, but I would be too bad. He'd get rid of a lot of really cool characters and stuff. Yeah. A lot of good options. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if they rather than getting rid of them, they really should just let them kind of filter back into the background and focus on some of the other villains that they've adapted over time. Yeah. I mean, we, we want to be getting uh, Evil Star and that Dog Hunter and a couple of other guys that showed up during the whole Siege on um, Mogo. Mm. And we haven't done anything with for years. Because mm. we've been busy dealing with all the other corps. So. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. They could have... It would be okay if, uh, you know, something happens and, you know, the... Other types of lanterns are scattered so far around the galaxy. You're not going to see as many of them. Sure. So, you know, some popular ones will show up every now and again, but, you know. Yeah, they just don't need to be in there every week. Right. Especially if we're getting rid of the new Guardians. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was just, they, they kind of lost their specialness, I guess you could say, a little bit. When they got rid of the the other lanterns. Oh, just with them being around and everything all right. the time. He's saying the new shiny part wore off. Yeah. Mm. They don't look shiny anymore, Rob. Mm. Don't make it shiny again, let's get another ring color. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen. Puce. I don't think puce would be a good choice. <laughs> That'd be like picking teal. I think they kind of overdid it with it now. Teal. <laughs> yeah. Teal lanterns. Bad, bad choice also. <laughs> I mean, I could see gold, maybe. I mean, what, what else in a jerk color? Brown. <laughs> I make good jokes. Brown lantern. <laughs> no? Whatever. Is that all you got, Ross? What else you got over there? Um, the other really, really big one was, uh, this, well, obviously the big Sony leak affected a lot of things. But one of the big ones we heard about was uh, there were talks of Spider-Man being joining with the Marvel Universe. Right. And then apparently it was canceled, and now apparently it might be happening again, but with Sony of Japan this time. Yeah, it's hard to say like what exactly is going on there. I I think part of that is just 
you know, and maybe it really is a real, th maybe the hack really is a real thing, but I think it's a publicity stunt, honestly, for that movie. Because now at this point, like, everybody in the world knows about the movie, the, the interview, everybody mm -hmm. knows about it. You got other Hollywood actors calling, release it, Sony. As far as movies are concerned, it, in all honesty, if, if that's all it takes is one, one company or one group to cyber hack and threaten things, and what's the... Hopefully someone decides to take out the credit card companies because God, it'd be awesome if none of us owed any money. Yeah. That'd be awesome. What was crazy about that hack or, and stuff in general right. was that there was a lot of information that wasn't Sony that was caught in that too. Hmm. So I, I, I don't remember the name right now, but there was an email discussing the director of Aquaman, the Aquaman movie that's coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a couple of others like that too. That they were just another company that they were talking about. Just random, Sony, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of inner office between A and B types kind of thing. Like, who do we want to cut off so they don't get a chance to use that person? I mean, they're basically battling each other, which is ridiculous, sort of. But at the same time, yeah, you know, I guess. What yeah, it's interesting do? how much they know about each other, right? Know, like on the inside too. Well, like, and there's the most recent thing I saw about the Spider-Man thing. It's like, oh, Brian, or what's his name that plays Spider-Man right now? Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield fired. Mm -hmm. Sony gonna reboot the Spider-Man series after Spider-Man Two. Mm -hmm. Like, well, we didn't learn the with the whole Spider-Man Three thing, so uh, you know, we're yeah. gonna try it again. It was... seems ridiculous. Maybe they mm -hmm. did learn their lesson. No, no. more Spider-Man Three. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, here's hoping. You going to have a one-two, one-two perpetual. Well, yeah. one-two. Then you do Sinister That's Six. That's really all you need, Technically right? Technically a three, but Sinister <laughs> Six. Sinister 6-2, and then we'll go back to 1. One of the other movies from a different company that was included in that was uh, apparently an X-Men Fantastic Four is something that is being... Shopped? That's being heavily considered, I guess you could say. Huh. Well, if you want to ultimately piss off the mouse, <laughs> see what yeah. happens. I have a feeling he'll eat you like cheese. <laughs> Yeah, because they have both of them. You could do Deadpool, Fantastic Four, and X-Men and make it a thing. Yeah. You know, it would be kind of cool to have Spider-Man in that universe, too, though. I mean, Mouse that's eating something cheese, that's Ross. Mouse but... eating cheese. Because it tastes good. Isn't there a book mm. that we're going to talk about today that's a lot like that? Pretty much, yes. Spoilers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a... It's kind of interesting. People are already kind of thrown up in the in the air about what what this means like i've even had somebody even today who came in and was talking to me about oh yeah you know spider-man's been reacquired by marvel and oh man it's a good thing because civil war is coming you gotta have spider-man for civil war which i mean is totally ridiculous anyways i mean even if they got the license back right now they can't horseshoe a film in before they're going to do captain america anyhow but yeah. i have a feeling it if it is something in the works or something that's been done, it'll probably be pretty well known before it happens. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But there was uh, a lot of talk about the loophole for Peter Parker appearing in um, the Netflix stuff. Oh, Not really? as Spider-Man, but Peter just Parker. Peter Parker. Now, that's still in rumor mill, so who knows? Because hmm. that show's not out, and of course we haven't heard any confirmation for that. Crazy. But yeah, it's yeah, a, just see what happens. Yeah, it's a weird Disney thing. Disney has the license for Parker, just can't use Spider-Man. Huh. Hmm. That's odd. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand it's, how that happens. It's because of the uh, Ultimate Comics uh, Spider-Man animated. Oh, <laughs> so, that's freaking weird. It's a wow, stupid, that's stupid so. backdoor 
very back door. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, one of those other quote-unquote hack leaks was about an animated Spider-Man movie that's supposed to be Sony. Hmm. It, uh, secrets and lies. That'd be cool. I'd like that. I'm not saying it'd be a bad idea. Just weird that that's like, how is that? Yeah, that's just secrets and lies. That's all. Nonsense, Ross. Is that all you got? That's all. Oh, new Spider-Woman costume. Yeah. Oh yeah. We bollocks, there, I right? say. Bollocks. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Whatever. She's needed a new costume for a long time. It looks decent. Were you saying they need to change her name, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Let me make her Lieutenant Spider. I'm okay with that. That, that way she can uh, she can get the fame that you know Miss Marvel can never get until she put Captain in front of her name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lieutenant Spider, Agent Spider, I don't care. Yeah. As long as it's not Asian Spider. I think that's something Asian different. Spider. Asian I'm pretty spider. sure that's something mm -hmm. different. I'd be okay with that. That could be mm -hmm. Shang-Chi's new name. Sure. He doesn't have spider powers anymore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what, Lin Kuei oh, or whatever man. it is. In <laughs> it's stupid. People are dumb. Okay, so... Anything, Curtis, you got anything else over there? No, just a casting detail for Flash. Oh. Pey oh, I forgot about that. Peyton List is going to be starring as uh, Lisa Snart, who's going to who is Golden Glider. Captain Ooh. Cold's sister. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's all I got. Huh. Okay. What, do we know her from anything? Probably. <laughs> anything that you know? Not that I know. Okay. Well, there you go. Take take that, I guess. Yeah. You got anything else over there? It's official for, Mortal Kombat X news. It's going to be sometime in April. For the for the person who cares about <laughs> Mortal Kombat, God, Robert yeah. is sitting here in the room. I do. Going to be Mortal Monday again. A Mortal Monday. Well, I, there's some podcast guy who does that all the time. Oh, that was when the first Mortal Kombat came out. Oh yeah. <laughs> was, it was Mortal Monday. Yeah, there's a couple of podcast guys that still use that as their their thing all the time. Oh really? It was Mortal Monday, and they do like a video every week. <laughs> Which is amazing because so, many of them do videos. Don't seem to have much knowledge but. about the game they're talking about. Yeah, who needs that? Yeah, they, they all uh, <laughs> they got the wrong uh, wrong pronunciation of names. They got timelines wrong. They'll oh. be talking about it and being really serious about it, and then they're like, "Yeah," and then stuff happened. And I don't know what it was because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> awesome. Okay. The most important thing I learned from Mortal Kombat is blocking is for chumps. Hmm. So reading that most of your bones will set in seconds and you can keep fighting. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what I really learned is that it's it's a game, so uh, try not to take it so seriously. <laughs> also, everybody has about 30 skulls. Yes. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that? I know it now. Thank you, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> okay, um, so we're going to do the football scores one more time. We get to the Super Bowl, and that'll be that. Uh, so, Dark Knights, uh, 1649. Spirits of Vengeance at 1620. Josh's King is at 1544. So he came from the back of the pack. Oh, wow. Uh, Boss the Braves at 1496. Uh, Donkey Kong's at 1464, holding the firm middle there, Ross. Uh, then we got Emmer Beef, who's at 1451. Inhumans at 1419. Suicide Squad at 1409. Uh, Jay Cadmo at 1383. And Knights of Unicron at 1376. Woohoo! Alright. 
He's, he's like, Lord of the Underworld, and he's on the bottom of the list where he belongs. <laughs> it's like a pancake dinner. Yeah. So that I like, I like pancakes mm-hmm. <laughs> and waffles. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think that was that's it for that nonsense, right? It actually be April fourteenth will be the release for the Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat X. Hey, look at that! It'll be mm-hmm. a Mortal Prestige. Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> not quite as good. Somebody failed in planning. All those guys' shows are going to be dead now. Mm. <laughs> Mortal just, Monday's over. This leaves another option, so you can have Mortal Monday, and then you can have Toasty Tuesday. <laughs> Yay! Damn you to hell. <laughs> Damn you, <laughs> sir. Just <laughs> another minute. Yeah. Totality Tuesday. I think the Toasty Tuesday is a little toasty better. Toasty Tuesday, yeah. Finish yeah. Friday. Little... Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. What was it, Friday? Finish him Friday. Finish him Friday. Oh, dang it. <laughs> dang it. Get over here Thursday. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, a, that's enough. Yeah, you, should. <laughs> you, were, you were pretty on top of it for not knowing. Re- I've never played them. Really? Bay Ballady Wednesday. Well, you, yeah, you enjoyed uh, watching it. Friendship Friday. Well, I played Tekken before. <laughs> like Finishing Friday better. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Spider-Man and X-Men crossing over in the movies, we got our first book. Which is Marvel's Spider-Man and the X-Men number one. Hooray! Yay! It's basically to uh, to melt the story down. Spider-Man has been asked by Wolverine to come and fill a special education section of the uh, Jean Grey school. Yeah, special like it's a counselor is what it says. It's uh, after the death of Wolverine as a last request kind of thing. And uh, most of the X-Men aren't very happy about it because we're going back with uh, the help of Bright of no, it's not brightest day. Shoot, of one more day, right? Which is probably the worst Spider-Man Rat-Con. story ever. Yeah. Um, nobody really knows his identity except for the core Avengers team, right? So Storm and the rest of the X-Men have never seen. Well, they've seen Spider-Man. They just don't know Pete. who he is. Yeah, they they have no uh, no knowledge of who who he is under the mask. And so Storm is bringing him into the school, and she's pretty apprehensive about it. She really doesn't want to have him around doesn't think he should be involved in mutant affairs because he's not a mutant and of course since nobody knows who he really is how can we trust him you know she tells him she hates him yeah pretty much and he goes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he tries to defend himself with being like but i'm like an avenger buddy you can ask the black panther you're right you know your husband and she's like ex-husband he's like oh thanks uh-huh. mm-hmm. You did not help me at all, is it? Nope. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. That's yeah. <laughs> when Spider-Man gets to school, we join a battle already in action with Uranus the Untouchable, <laughs> and we got like half the X-Men out there fighting him, and Spider-Man's trying to like get people to have his back, and so he goes to like the Phoenix, and he's like, "Oh, Phoenix, we fought together a couple times. Now you can vouch for me." And she's like, "I'm not the Phoenix anymore." And no, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, Iceman, we go back forever." And he's like, "Nah, I don't think so. Not this time." He's like, we do, but you, how are you supposed to teach people ethics? No, yeah, yeah. His ethics isn't. He's supposed to be there as the ethics professor for a certain group of kids. And you know, Spider-Man comes in handy, and he actually winds up webbing up Uranus's field. So, and he basically tells him, you know, okay, well, end all, be all. Wolverine wanted me here, so psh, whatever, I'm staying. 
And he kind of has his own little tour around campus and encounters uh, Toad and encounters the uh, the living Lond Grogo. Yeah. <laughs> and then we find out his real deal, which is evidently Wolverine was pretty sure that one of the students in the school was undercover, was some kind of a mole that was leaking information about the X-Men, leaking information about the school. Well, they weren't sure who was to or who was doing it. A little Tinker Tailor soldier spy action going on. Right. And so he wanted uh, Spider-Man to kind of stand in and figure this out. And in doing so, he winds up gathering together a kind of motley group of students. So he's got um, Julian Killer, Killer the Helen. He's got uh, Rock Slide. He's got uh, Shark Girl. He's got Glob Herman. He's got uh, No Girl. He's got uh, Eye Boy. He's got Ernest, which many of these characters have been around for a while. Uh, probably the oldest are Ernest and No Girl. Uh, but the last three have been in, like, every Lee featured in the Wolverine and the X-Men series. Well, yeah, the kid without the hands, whose mm-hmm. name I said a second ago, and I can't remember. Hellion. 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 He's been around for a while, too. Oh, yeah. But uh, those are just the... These guys are way back in the new X-Men... Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Morrison days. That's yeah, when yeah. they were created. That's right. But these are evidently all problem students, and the only one who's an obvious one that's not there is Quantum, of course. Oh, right. But um, he was heavily featured in the rest of the book series. I think, actually, they may have had him graduate mm-hmm. at the end of that last one. Anyhow... um. So yeah, he's he's kind of trying to figure out what they're about, and uh, they of course all want to go to the danger room and, uh, and practice fighting, and you know he's like, oh well, no, let's do like a a regular teaching thing, and uh, Hellion keeps like mouthing off to him, and so he webs up his mouth, and the rest of the students are like, oh, you can't do that, you can't web up people's mouths, and, like Shark Girl was talking about eating him, and one of the bamf sneaks in and crawls up underneath his jacket and teleports away, and so his shirt's gone. And that's, of course, when Storm walks in, and she's like, why are you shirtless? And Hellion's mouth is webbed up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is everything okay? <laughs> so ultimately, he decides, all right, well, fine, we'll just go to the we'll go to the danger room because we can't teach in the class. Once we get in there, we actually going to get to see them all working together and how they react to each other and how they react to everybody around them. And one of the big things is that they all seem to really know that Spider-Man is not a mutant. And in fact, they actually bring up an, an old word that I hadn't heard for a long time, which is a flat scan, which is evidently a mutant derogatory term towards humans, whereas mutant is like a slang term for being derogatory towards them. Or beauty, or, yeah. yeah. So we actually get a lot of them calling him flat scan, and we kind of see a lot of kind of prejudice that he's not like them, and that you know he can't understand who they are or what they are because he doesn't live in that world. And there's actually a couple times where Pete's like, you know, really, for people who are being, like, hated and feared all the time, you guys sure are jerks. But we see when when push comes to shove that these guys need a lot of direction. They kind of all freeze up when Spider-Man gets in trouble. And none of them really knows what to do to try to save him. And we kind of see, you know, they, they need somebody who can kind of show them what's what and where to go. The whole reason Spider-Man gets into trouble is that Rockslide slapped him real hard. And it uh, it kind of makes him think that Rockslide might be 
he might be the one who's uh, who's the mole here. And so uh, for the next thing that he tries to do, he tries to take him to the museum. And they're all kind of, you know, they're kids, so they're like, oh, well, we've seen real dinosaurs, why should we have to look at dinosaur bones? You know, and he's, getting, like, trying to explain why this is awesome. And, of course, you know, Spider-Man's luck, there happens to be a giant stegosaur monster guy at the museum who decides to attack because how could he, how could they found out my plan beforehand? You know, and so he attacks Spider-Man, of course, and the students all get involved, and Spider-Man's trying to, like, have them kind of react ethically and help the people out instead of just, you know, blowing up the museum. Which in the end kind of happens anyways. Spider-Man learns that Rockslide couldn't prob well, probably isn't the mole as he, like, risks his life to try to save one of his friends. And, uh, we also learn that Stegus has a new power where he can drain energy off of people by grabbing them. But before we get too for much longer, we see Sauron smash through the, uh... Skylight. Skylight. Mm -hmm. And we find out that they were there gathering some kind of samples. And, of course, you know, Sauron berates Stegos for leading... For leading Spider-Man to them. And they kind of have a battle, and unfortunately, Spider-Man and most of the rest of the group wind up falling under the sway of Sauron as he, like, uses his mind control on them to put them to sleep. And when they come to, they're out in what they think is uh, Savage Land. And Sagron and... Uh, Sauron come riding up on these uh, Triceratops, and Spider-Man's trying to think of how to break out of the things, and he's like, oh, well, Shark Girl's not with us, so she'll she'll come to save us, and one of them's like, eh, I don't really think so, and we see in the background, she's riding one of the Triceratops, and she's just like, yeah, down yeah, with all the humans. the prehistoric coalition. Yeah. And so Spider-Man's like, oh, gosh, I hate being in the Savage Land, <laughs> and they start talking, and what we wind up revealing is that they're not in the Savage Land, they're actually out in Staten Island that has been, like, sort of terraformed and now has these new dinosaurs running around on it. That's kind of the big reveal at the end of it, is that they're not nearly as far away as it seems they should be. I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these all react. And I like that we're actually focusing on all the younger element in the books. I mean, we see a lot of the established X-Men, but it is still focusing on this group of kids. I like how they play out together, and it kind of putting Spider-Man in a position where he's got to be a leader, which is something he's never really done or never really shined at. So, no, it's Spider-Man at least. I he's mean, been a teacher before. Yeah, yeah. Right. but not yeah, a teacher. I was wondering, you know, just how far one more day reset him, because I know that, uh, you know, he was a teacher there for a while. Yeah. But uh, I didn't remember uh, if he you know, got reset past that, and that's why he was so, oh, uh, I'm in front of these kids, and uh, I don't know how I'm supposed to be as a teacher. Because mm. I remember he was a teacher, and he was a good teacher. Yeah. So, I think the big difference is uh, not only do they not respect him because he's a teacher, they don't respect him because he's a human. Right. But I think well, he doesn't know how to handle kids with superpowers, I think <clears throat> is the deal. That's uh, that's one thing, sure, against him. But uh, but uh, he brought up like a couple points in the book, mm. and the first one was when he uh, threw out his uh, his catchphrase, you know, power and responsibility. Yep. He mentioned, yeah, these kids have power, no problem. And they yeah, they know how to use that, but they don't know anything about responsibility. I don't see anyone teaching them uh, that responsibility. Yeah. And they made a good counterpoint as they went on in the danger room with uh, Shark Girl basically being like 
well, you know, it's unrealistic to risk your life to try to save everyone. So why even try to save anyone? Right, and he uh, he counters when he says, yeah, so don't even try is what you're saying. Pretty so, much. And uh, his whole thing, even at the museum when, uh, when uh, he took a hit, and somebody said, oh, but you could have dodged so easy. No, there's civilians involved. This is our stupid fight. <laughs> We're the one who get uh, gets hurt. They have to stay out of it. So I had to take that hit. And I was like, oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> What's up with that? So, yeah, it has but a lot yeah, of really good stuff to it. The but. kids act like, you know, ADD, you know, spoiled brats. And, you know, Spider-Man's in there kicking it old school, trying to teach them... Well, maybe there's a reason why you know, why people are fearing you because you know you need to hold yourself to a higher expectation than what you are. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, Rob, score book. Ah, give it. I give it a three point five. You know, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really really well done. All right, uh, Mr. Mike. That was okay. Uh, I'd give it a three. Ross? I'd give it a three as well. A lot of cool things in it that appeal to me, but well, I guess not a lot, too. <laughs> a lot of cool things that are happening in it, though. And that made no sense at all whatsoever. All right. <laughs> Curtis? <sighs> I'll give it a two and a half. It's not really my thing, but I'll give it a two and a half for the shark girl. <laughs> kind of cool. I like sharks. Uh, Greg? Well, actually, I I really like this episode. I uh, was I'm giving it a four because I like uh, Spider-Man's interaction. Uh, kids are brats, and I'm thinking he's gonna whip him into shape. And yeah, I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. Cool. Um, yeah, I give it three and a half. Also, it's got a good art style to it. it that's a good question. I hadn't thought about the fact of one more day resetting it how far back because the whole idea is that him mary jane never fell in love so would that have shaped him ever taking this student the job teaching at the school eh, maybe that's an interesting question but yeah i think the main difference and he kind of kind of says it in there is that he's never really dealt with kids with powers or been a leader like that with powers so yeah, you know it's it's an interesting thing. Like as far as setups concerned, I really like those stories a lot. The Michael Straczynski stuff, when he was the teacher of the school. So if we can get to some of that, uh, the first issue's it, it's got a pretty interesting idea, and where they're going with it. it it's it's interesting is that there he what he's really there for is to figure out who it is that is a mole inside the organization. So right. I'm digging the. I think the background story. We'll probably get a lot of like one shot type stuff or villain versus type stuff. But the fact sure. there's underlying. Who's the baddie? Right. Interesting. Um, I'm also in it for the Tinker Tailor soldier spy Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to Thunderworld. Number one. Multiversity Thunderworld Adventures. Bam. By uh, Grant Morrison, Cameron Stewart, who's actually the writer for Batgirl now. Boo. I really enjoy his art, though. You should stick to drawing things. Right. So we open up at the Rock of Eternity. For those that don't know, this is kind of uh, where the wizard Shazam hides out. and It's his little humble home. He's in a different dimension from ours. 
and uh, he finds a kind of a unfamiliar day in the cosmic calendar by the name of Savannah Day. Savannah? Savannah Day. Savannah? <laughs> Essentially, um, as he's speaking with us, actually, he's uh, kind of using his narration voice, mm -hmm. and he and the Rock of Eternity comes under siege, which is impossible, because uh, it's never been under siege. So. Oh, wait. The the part I liked uh, in there is uh, when he says uh, when he says uh, one talk and nothing mm -hmm. <laughs> for eternity. So then we see the Rock of Eternity is kind of like a triangular pyramid thing, but top and bottom. So we see another one flash into the screen, but it more it looks more of a technological rock and pyramid about ten times greater. Did you say like a Borg? Right. It could a be Borg an extended diamond. Borg ship. Yeah. And we see that it's uh, Dr. Savani in his own little ship. And uh, he has tracked it down by the uh, magic lightning power. And uh, we see that he's talking with three of his children. And two of them look awfully strange like him, and one looks okay. <laughs> and uh, he's actually harnessed the power scientifically to transform as the magic lightning does. Just like Shazam? Just like Shazam. And uh, all, they all say Savannah at the same time, and they turn into these Shazam-type characters. Uh, one with green, one with purple, one with uh, yellow. And they have, like, black lightning down the front and a black cape. And uh, then we cut to little Billy Batson kind of as a reporter. He's talking about time quakes that have happened in Fawcett City, located near the subway. And then we see another little Billy Batson kind of uh, phase in behind him and says you have to uh, warn Captain Marvel the wizard's in trouble and he starts to fade out and then we see these three that just turned into savannas with a car overhead ready to attack little Billy so Billy says his magic words and turns into Shazam or Captain Marvel they do reference him being Captain Marvel they do yeah I'll say mm -hmm. it's, really, it's kind of cool that they call him Captain Marvel in this instead of Shazam so these three proceed to attack him, and he gives a deathly whistle, and they uh, kind of cover their ears, and the car smashes into him. And then we see Savannah back in his little spaceship, talking with other Dr. Savannahs from different realities. Oh, but uh, and how also, do they communicate to each other? We're big-ass screens all over the place. Oh, well, I guess they didn't get to the other part yet. Not yet. Oh, okay. But he's referencing a, a comic book that has kind of created these parallel worlds that he's been able to, and it's actually one of the multiversity comic books that he's talking about. Right. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's been like a, a tie that they've done through the rest of the multiverses mm. to have one of the previous issues show up in the next, to have it be somehow foretelling of a multiverse. It's kind of right. weird. And he's he's dedicated to having a legion of savannas and uh, we see there's an actual bridge between the two his spaceship and the rock of eternity and we see that um, the wizard Shazam has actually kind of been captured which we didn't know that prior but now we see that and uh, he's got the one thing that he needs and I believe it's uh, Captain Marvel's lightning to uh, solidify or create more of his army that he wants to do well, there was a, a little bit of a complicated thing in there where it's uh, he made a, a whole day by harvesting these crystals out of the Rock of Eternity. 
Crystallized time. Basically yeah. crystallized He's time. He's mining it. He's uh, all the other villains uh, chipped in some to uh, make enough to make this day. And I think he's calling it Suspendium or something like that. Yeah, right. that's the name for it. <clears throat> so then we cut back to uh, Mar Captain Marvel and these other three Savannah dudes fighting. Uh, I guess there's a dudehead in there, too. <clears throat> and uh, Captain Marvel kind of punches one through a billboard and lands in front of a commuter train. And then we see Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel Jr. fly into the picture to help. And they start working on um, survivors of the train wreck, and Mary Marvel actually takes on the other female, Black Savannah. So the fight continues between the three of them, and uh, one of the Savannahs gets hit with a backhoe and flies straight to the moon. <laughs> so then... Uh, Mary Marvel and this other female, Savannah, are talking, and, and the female's like, with, who needs brains with a body like this? Because she's very buxom. And then little Captain Marvel Jr. flies into the screen and starts to, uh, she starts to work her woman in wiles on him that she thinks, and she actually gets, he gets her to actually say her name, which is Georgia Savannah, and that turns her back into a mere mortal. <laughs> Through this time, we see, and they tie her up, and... Captain Marvel's working on the green-suited one. And through this time, we see that uh, the Monster Society has been released. And the Monster Society looks legit. Uh, flying, Surprisingly, yes. Yeah, a flying wasp creature, a giant alligator-looking guy, a Solomon Grundy giant-looking guy, a giant robot, and like a black cloud with purple eyes. It's uh, fairly uh, awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're using this time, the, the, the evil Savannahs are using this time so Dr. Savannah can uh, conquer the multiverse. So they're just there as, as lackeys. And then we see, cut to, like, a Captain Marvel Corps, I guess you could call them. Yeah, yeah that's what they look mm -hmm. like. Lieutenant Marvels. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, five of them, and one of them's a tiger, so yeah, that's pretty awesome. It. And after he's done talking, <laughs> he says, rawr. So, <laughs> so they they proceed to fight with the Monster Society, and uh, Captain Marvel has this uh, wise idea. Where he first met the Wizard Shazam was in the subway tunnel, which is where all these time quakes are kind of centrally located around. So he's got this idea that if he flies through the wall down in the subway tunnel, he'll go into the multiverse. And we see a bunch of, after he goes to the wall, we see a bunch of, like, flying VW buses. I think that was actually with the train car that yeah. he had on originally yeah. looked like. But they look awesome. So then we see uh, kind of Captain Savannah talking with his other dimensional Savannahs, and we see a baby Savannah with, with, with a binky, and another one looks like a snake. Right. Luchador. And then there's another one that looks like Hannibal Lecter. Right. And, uh... Yeah, it's just crazy talk. And then uh, we see Captain Marvel show up at the door of this, uh, I want to call it a Tesseract for some reason, but it's Savannah's ship, and Savannah has a robot army to go dispatch with him. <clears throat> and then we cut back to a screen of a Savannah who looks normal talking and saying that it was his idea to lure him here, but he didn't want anything to he didn't want him to get hurt or anything like that. Right, he wanted to talk it over. All right. So he's, he's, he's he looks kind of, very Lex Luthor. -y. Yeah, he's kind of he, fretting. He looks like uh, 
you know, when uh, Earth 2 had, had the uh, all the uh, evil versions of everybody, but Lex was the, uh, the good hero. Right. And he looks like the Savannah of that world. <laughs> <laughs> so they go into... It makes me think of that. They go, so he fights his way into Captain Savannah, and Captain Savannah is holding the uh, lightning rod that was in the possession of the uh, wizard. Sh- wizard Shazam. And they have this uh, talk about his eighth day and how he created it and uh, how magic versus science and, and science will win over magic. And he says his name and turns into Black Savannah, mm-hmm. which is crazy-looking Savannah with sharp and pointy teeth. Mm-hmm. And they they have this uh, this fight working out, and he talks about the strength of Solomon and or the strength of Hercules and it's no match for the power of the fundamental forces, and he's very strong on his science and believes that his science will win out over the magic that is there. And then we see uh, Shazam actually revert back to Billy Batson, and he sees these crystallized quartz that he actually had in the fir- in the earlier premonition with him when he warned himself to tell Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Wizard Shazam was in trouble. And he goes back, and he does kind of... I believe he warns him again, himself again. Yeah. He completes the loop. Right, and and that kind of pissed off Savannah. Said, you can't do this. And then Savannah shows up at the same time, I believe, when he's talking to himself, but he's in a corporeal form, his older self, and then he attacks Shazam, and as Shazam is getting attacked, he says his name and turns back into Shazam. And... uh I can't remember the conversation they were having right there. Um, well, one of the big things was that um, in this eighth day, Savannah couldn't be beaten, and it was going to be the right. day that, her, that uh, Shazam would die. But he was always trying to find a way to outplay the other Savannahs. Mm-hmm. Well, he finds out that they shorted him. They didn't give yeah, him a day. Yeah, they gave day. him an eight-hour day. They only gave him eight hours, and so he was going to lose the power and to re- be Shazam. And he reverts back to uh, just a plain old... Dr. Savannah, he kind of addresses the board and of crazy people. <laughs> right, yeah, they're Savannians. And then we cut back to the Lieutenant Marvels, who have defeated the Monster Society pretty handedly, it seems. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he has this comic book that uh, Dr. Savannah had, and uh, he says, always at the end, the bad guy always comes back and says, uh, I'll get out and destroy everything, and he's... He doesn't like the endings of those comic books because they're always so negative. And uh, the, t- the city's been, I don't know. It's been kind of decimated. It's yeah. And uh, he crumbles up the comic book and him, Mary Marvel, and Captain Marvel Jr. fly away for another yeah. adventure. Yeah, it actually kind of ends with this positive, you know, oldie story where, you know, <laughs> good triumphs and evil just is, is done and mm-hmm. has to fly off. Yeah, it was, it was. It was a heck of a story. <laughs> Very throwbackish. The art fits it perfectly, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought at first it was uh, Jeff Smith almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He uh, is the guy who does the Bone comics. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we remember. Mm-hmm. He did a Shazam prior or yeah, Captain Marvel story prior. The Monster huh. Society. Yep. Hey, explains why. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Monster Society. Scourge gets score book. I'm gonna give it. Uh, 4.5. It almost seems like it's picking up somewhere where it may something may have transpired prior. 
Right. But you don't need any other backing story to know because the Wizards of Jam kind of outlays everything. Um, it's a very it's a self-contained book. You don't need to read any other multiversity title to get it. It's very very well done. Uh, the art is better than his writing. I don't really like Grant Morrison all that much, but this is a very very well written book, and it's not preachy. It's not convoluted. Um, I'll give it a four and a half. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, Mr. Craig? Well, I liked it a lot, too. I don't know. It hit me in all the right spots. I thought, uh, I guess it was the uh, comic book that I needed right now. Um, uh, the artwork was top-notch and fit uh, the story. I don't know how it'll work in with all the other mar uh, multiversity comics, but I don't really care. This, this was a great standalone book. Um, I liked uh, I liked the lightheartedness of it, and uh, the heroes and what all were uh, clever as well as strong. Villains were dastardly, and I'm not wild about that uh, one crazy Hannibal Lecter Savannah or whoever he was. I have a feeling that he's going to play something later on in the multiversity books, I guess. Because it just strikes me as something he's going to show up again. That's just what I get from it. But I will give this a 5.5 and make up for uh, Curtis's uh, 4.5. It doesn't really work that way, but, you know, okay. <laughs> this, it works! This goes to 11. <laughs> <laughs> I'm evoking the power of suspendium and <laughs> making the day of cragium. Also, something that only works for a couple hours. So <laughs> thank God. And just long enough. <sighs> All right. Um, you know, I, I like it too. It, it's got a it's classic look to it, as far as books are concerned. And Grant's either hit or miss, you know. And it's got some granities to it. The whole way you there, all of them are talking to the computer screen. So there's just a, a crap load of different ones from different worlds, which is very much a Grant Morris thing. Um, but as far as like making sense, at least it makes sense. How Billy figures out that the time is being shorted because of the crystals, and, and so set up wise, it's a pretty good book. I like the uh, I like the intro; it's pretty cool. Now I might give it a three. It was, it was a fun read. Uh, Multiversity, just in general, like the first couple books, they weren't bad, but so far I'm not seeing any connectivity to it. So they could just be a series of one shots instead of a series. Which is cool. Well, aside from the sure. aside from the comic going through it. <sighs> And honestly, they which isn't original. That came from America's Best Comics, man. Like it's not, it's not, it's not a new thing. Oh, I mean that's fine. So, I think you just want to crap on Grant Morrison. No, man, I don't <laughs> hate him. I don't hate good. him like other people in the room. <laughs> that's good. I like him just fine. He's a nice enough guy. When I, you know, I, I don't have any problem with him. He's got a bald head and a long black coat. He's Mike, oh, he doesn't always wear that. He He's got a always. bald head and a long. He wasn't wearing that when I talked to him, so I like him just fine. <sighs> Rob. All right. Um, I really enjoyed it as well. I don't like Grant Morrison most of the time, mm -hmm. honestly. So, but I I thought this was a real knockout story. If you've ever read the old Shazam stuff, this feels like an old Shazam story. Everybody right. acts appropriate. Um, I love the time jump thing, the 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 loop that they make in the book. I love that. I love that all of the LT uh, Shazams are characters that were in the Shazam world stuff. So, I mean, you have the, the grandfather character that was watching out for him, you have the tuba player, and you have the singer that were also, like, deputy Shazams. Right. So, like, they really dug deep and got 
everybody they could for the story, and I love that we even get the little play off of Savannah's kids with uh, Georgia, who's you know she looks like Savannah except for she's got a girl haircut, mm-hmm. you know, right. becoming the the Lady Shazam, and like thinking that uh, all her problems are solved because now she looks pretty. You know, I right. I liked a lot of the elements in the story, so I I'd, I'd give it a four or five. I, for me one of the best multiversities I've read so far, so really, really enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, Mr. Mike? Well, I can't say a whole lot more, uh, any more than anybody else has. I can't really add a whole lot, (laughs) but it's a great story. Very old school, like Curtis said. The artwork is just, and the coloring. Oh, yeah. It's Uh, not dark. Yeah, yeah. Like all the other stuff. It's bright. I mean, even the look of, uh, the two other Marvels, like Captain Marvel Jr., mm-hmm. the old look. Oh, yeah. It's not like the stuff back in, like, the 52 storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it goes no, this way is back. Like the Raboy stuff back in the 40s, 50s. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, 4.5. Cool. Ms. Ross? I'm in the exact same boat. I'd give it a 4.5, too. Uh, I also like the classic look, but what I really liked is how well they did all the characters in it. Mm-hmm. Like Billy Batson acts just like old school Billy Batson, and uh, Freddie is exactly what you'd expect him to do when he's talking to uh, what was her name? Georgia. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I totally saw that coming. It's exactly like how <laughs> yeah. Freddie would act. Yeah, because he seems like oh, you know, oh, I'm totally tricked by how how incredibly cute you are. But, yeah, you know, really, he's, just he's playing the her the whole time. Yep. Yeah. It's true. Superficialness is good. And Mary Marvel just being like. <laughs> being as good as she is in there too mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the exact line but when she's talking when the one says that she's pretty and that's all that matters and she's prettier than Mary Marvel Mary Marvel was like well yeah but I don't think that's all that really matters <laughs> she didn't like it wasn't an insult or anything it was just like it was like uh, so I yeah. mean it's <laughs> there's more to <laughs> people than just being pretty <laughs> yeah I don't know I might have been just a cookie for for us older fans but she talks about how oh geez I wonder if there's other versions of me out there and how much different they could be <laughs> right and kind of think about where she was at the end of the yeah. regular universe I haven't seen yeah, Dr. Savannah in a mess. while, either. Yeah. No, not since they did the, the first initial um, Shazam story, the the backup story in the Justice League. Mm. Yeah, I, and he was di- but he was different, too. I mean, he wasn't like the classic Dr. Savannah. Oh, no. no I, Savannah's always been a, kind of a goof to me. Yeah. And this is kind of more... And that, that, well, I noticed on, the, on one of the screens that Worm, mm-hmm. what is it, Mr. Mind? Mr. Mm-hmm. Mind. Was there. Mm-hmm. And I remember that oh, was, I missed they, they were part of the 52 story. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Because mm-hmm. I, I was more familiar with the, the Worm, the Mr. Mind guy, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, it was really, really cool. Really cool. Yeah, really good story. Right on. All right, let's move on to uh, Bitch Planet number one. Bitch Planet number one. Yeah, I uh, went into it uh, not knowing anything about it, but the name with uh, low expectations. Now, this one, I gotta, I gotta talk about the cover for a minute because it uh, starts off with uh, looking like uh, a uh, black exploitation, you know, sixties uh, type uh, type uh, poster. Pulp, pulp. Yeah, yeah, it's like a like a cover for a, uh, a poster for a movie or something that you're going to see. It says, "Are you woman enough to survive, bitch planet? 
girl gangs caged and enraged. You know, real, uh, you know, uh, black exploitation ish. Like well, uh, Grindhouse Con. Grindhouse yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> Chained heat. And, yeah, yeah, exactly like that. And then on the back, it has uh, is, it has uh, old school uh, ads like you'd see in the 50s uh, comic. X-ray glasses. X-ray glasses inspect, but it's uh, twisted to uh, how uh, this world is going to be like. And if you look closer and what all, you can see like some spoilers for uh, for what's going on in the uh, in the huh. uh, comic book too. All right. So pay attention to the cover, kids, if you pick this one up. But uh, it starts off inside now. It starts off uh, saying uh, with the tagline of "It's supposed to take on place on Earth in some undisclosed future or present or past or however they're how working this." And uh, as somebody's going in through the crowd, we focus in on her, and she's politely trying to get through the crowd, and, and nobody's really paying attention to her. And some guy in a booth, maybe a a voice acting booth or something like that or a broadcasting uh, area is uh, upset with her already and he says he's uh, just going to uh, read for her if she doesn't uh, can't be bothered to show up on time and she finally makes it in time just as they're about to go on the air and uh, they lead in with some Kind of uh, strange, almost uh, Genesis, uh, uh, Genesis-y uh, type start, and then uh, it uh, veers deep into uh, deep into New Agey type stuff, with space being the mother who receives us, and Earth is the father, and and then they uh, have a big splash page across the of the two pan uh, across the two pages of these. Uh, Apparently, convicts, lady convicts, who uh, are going to be put to uh, uh, to uh, a random assignment on uh, Bitch Planet. Go figure. And, uh, and it looks like the supervisors are talking uh, talking about it. At the same time, talking about what a rough uh, rough uh, deal it is. Talking about. Uh, how some of them are uh, oh, some of them are killers. One's a doc. One was a volunteer. She's talking about all their different places and backgrounds. Kind of like a breakdown of the characters. Just, just briefly, type of thing. It's okay. not like it's going in deep or anything like that. They just say, hey. "Oh yeah, yeah," like. You'd be talking to your friends or whatever, and they're right. already uh, familiar with it. So we're uh, learning as we go. And it looks like uh, they uh, land on a uh, detention facility, and they're being processed for uh, you know corrections and what all. Big hologram. Everybody says that uh, they don't like this uh, particular hologram persona or whatever. They uh, they call her the bitch. And uh, they uh, process them into uh, into their uh, coveralls, and one is like one of the ladies is like uh, seven hundred pounds, 
and she's complaining about how uh, her special coveralls are not going to fit in any way, shape, or form. And they go, oh, yeah, two minutes, two minutes, and already we got the uh, the first, uh, you know, conflict or whatever. And uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, wardens knocks her upside the skull and doesn't take her out for very long. Then uh, one of the uh, one of the other uh, inmates is uh, is saying, "Hey, you should leave her alone." He says, uh, and he starts to threaten her, but uh, yeah, the uh, big lady comes up and cold cocks him. And so far, we don't have any names for any of them. Right. So we just got. Strong lady, fat lady, you know, you know, whatever. Everybody's in the background, so we're all in the dark and trying to uh, trying to figure out what's going on here. And then uh, one of the supervisors chimes in again and says, "Well, now it's probably about time for the innocent one to speak up uh, to speak up about this." And sure enough, she does, and she gets tased too, cold cocked. And then back on Earth, as it were, the uh, husband comes into uh, the uh, facility, the uh, broadcasting place, maybe. We're not sure. We're still off guard here. And says, uh, oh, no, 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 no. I need to talk to somebody in charge here. This is all a mistake. I need to, I need to fix this. And he uh, starts, uh, starts in on the uh, manager. And uh, he says, oh, no, no. The manager says, no, there's safeguards about against this sort of thing. That could never have happened. And he says, well, you're wrong. The safeguards have failed. And then after a beat, he, he says, oh, I'm sorry. Like what he, was, uh, what he said was wrong. He shouldn't have even bothered or whatever. Hmm. And... A manager comes in, in again on it and says, well, you know, maybe maybe you'd like to start over again. Like, you know, this guy, maybe he just stuck it in, in shit. And uh, he could uh, be in as uh, bad a place as his wife is or worse if he, uh, you know, doesn't uh, change his tune. And he kind of does, but he keeps going on. You know, Bitch Planet, Bitch Planet is that nobody comes back from it. So this was pretty harsh for what uh, for whatever you think my wife did. And he uh, gets, uh, gets talked to some more. While at the same time, the uh, supervisors are kind of watching what the, what's going on. And it seems like... What's going on is this is not only a correctional facility, but it's also some sort of uh, reality show. Maybe a contest or whatever. We're not still sure, but it's some sort of reality entertainment at the same time as it's supposed to be a punishment and, and corrections. Kind of, uh, what is it? Um, like Big Brother? 
Except something in prison? Like, well, or like I was thinking Six-Gun more. Gorilla? Except not on a different, also on a different a, planet? Also <laughs> a bit like Six-Gun Gorilla. Well, I was thinking the, you know, the movie. The... Oh, Running the, Man. No. Well, <laughs> Cabin in the Woods. Oh, Cabin okay. in the Woods with the supervisors and what all, and uh, these it's things have exactly to go. It's not exactly for entertainment, though, but yeah, same idea. Okay, I see right. what you're saying. The, uh, the supervisors uh, remind me of that part going okay. on. Okay. I can see that. Mm hmm. But uh, yeah, they're filming every uh, thing that's going on in the uh, ladies' facilities here. And, uh, okay, uh, we better focus on, uh, on uh, Innocent here and we'll change the hologram up. We got the Catholic. So the Catholic hologram comes up and says, okay. <coughs> Everything's fine. Just confess your sins to me and and uh, come forward. So, innocent one comes in and says her name. So we get the first like name of the of the characters, Maria, uh, Maria Collins. And says okay, come with me. And some of the other convicts are are talking about you know okay, we need to count the uh, count the guards. We need to scope out the joint. You know. So stuff's going on in the background, and uh, and uh, the big lady that's been cold cocked before says, "Well, what's the point? The whole planet is a detention facility. Where are you going to run to? It doesn't matter if you get out of this. <laughs> it doesn't matter how high or how short the walls are. You're, you're still going to be locked up." And she talks to uh, the. Uh, strong lady that uh, tried to step in and asks if she knows her from somewhere. We don't get an answer. But uh, then we go back to Innocent Lady, and Innocent Lady's kind of telling her story at the same time as uh, her husband's telling his and their story. And, uh, they and just panels. switch back and forth every panel. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we get a get a talking to from the manager and what all and says, eh, yeah, but that's not really what you're telling me. Well, okay, I messed up, but but uh, she shouldn't have to pay for it and what all and and uh, she says, well, I was I was innocent. I don't see why I was here. And then. We uh, go back to uh, Innocent uh, uh, talking to the hologram, and she says, I have forgiven you, but you must forgive yourself. Penance is a gift to uh, to the sinner. Your pain will be your salvation. And all of a sudden, a fight starts breaking out in the uh, detention facility, and the uh, supervisors decide that uh, they're going to uh, call a hit on the innocent one because back on earth her husband who had an affair is getting back with his first wife he hasn't been talking about this lady at all she's left to spin in the wind <laughs> that's crazy all right all right but uh Innocent uh, hooks up with uh, Lady Amazon. I'm going to call her for now until, you know, she gets a name. 
and look like they're in some sort of like I don't know MMA uh, ring circle and she's busting out all kinds of kung fu badass moves on guards and whoever gets close and all of a sudden the big lady she knows where she's seen her before but while she's preoccupied you know fighting uh, fighting off everybody the innocent one gets her throat slit and the panels after that are pretty harsh because the coloring or whatever on them when she dies you see exactly where she dies she just goes cold and dead and you know that's the end well, that conversation that her husband was having with the administrator back on Earth, mm -hmm. he slid him an envelope with some money to change the situation to erase that chick up there. So that, that the plan uh, changed all of a sudden. She was just going to be punished, but it mm -hmm. changed, so they gave him the, the green light to uh, basically take her out. So mm -hmm. that's what they did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so he got uh, rewarded with his uh, first wife, too. I, I missed that uh, exchange of money. But uh, we finally learned the uh, name of our look. what looks like will probably be our main character. The Lady Amazon is uh, actually Kamu Kogo. And she is the star of our show. And that's where it ends. So we still don't even know who uh, our other protagonists are going to be. But that was uh, really something. <laughs> I don't know exactly how I feel about it, but uh, I think it's a promising start at any rate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Would you score the book, Greg? I'll give it a solid 3.5. All right. Rob? Yeah, it's not really my thing, but it does seem like a really interesting story. So I'm going to give it a 2.5. Mr. Mike? Well, uh, just uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, you know, the only other thing I read, read basically, of hers Captain Marvel stuff, which is pretty good. And with her writing it in it, well, you had to check it out because it's Bitch Planet. Um, the art's pretty cool. Valentine Delandro. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's different. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It might 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 turn out to be something pretty decent. I'll give it a I'll give it a three and a half. Mm-hmm. Mr. Oz, I'd probably give it a two and a half. Not really my thing. The art does look really good. Um, I'm sure it's a, a solid story, but. Like I said, not really, not really my alley, I guess. Okay. Curtis, I'm with Ross, two and a half. Uh, it doesn't want. I don't. I don't want to read the next one. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Um, it's a good start. Reminds me of Alex DeCampi's work in, in Grindhouse. Right. Just in a broader scale. So, uh, I'm on board for Alex DeCampi's stuff. So I may give it another shot. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, we gotta learn who who paid to get her throat slit. Yeah. Bad news. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I guess I'd fall through two. Uh, two and a half. Uh, you know, I'd give it, give it a three. Like it's, it does have a pretty cool art style to it. Like the way it's set up. It's it's not my normal type of art I like. 
but uh, a lot of the negative space they use is pretty cool. The art definitely uh, definitely helps the score. Right. I think the uh, idea that this is really some other giant show is just like this, the Sixth Dead Gorilla thing, except we don't have giant turtles, which is what made that thing so freaking awesome. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, interesting setup, at least, uh, as far as whatever else is in for. I don't know. It's basically like it's a locked-up kind of book. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they wind up doing with it. Anyway, uh, all right, so... Uh, Batman and Robin? No. No, no, no. Spider Woman. Spider Woman. Yeah, man. Still got Spider Woman. All right. We can skip Spider Woman. No, no, we can't, Greg. No, we can't. He's like, I'd like a new costume. I'm like, you shut the hell up. Mm -hmm. Ugh, man. Spider Woman number two. This is uh, Dennis Hopeless and uh, Mr. Land, which we all know Michael loves a lot. (laughs) Greg. Greg Land. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so we pick up the book, Ori, you know, Ori in progress, and the write-up at the beginning is a pretty good like, explanation of the last episode, and we basically find out where we're at, um, Silk, who is the other Spider-Woman, uh, and Jessica have split up, mostly because Silk decided to run off after Jessica was given another mission, um, so she left her to be watched by two other people, and Silk basically ditched them. Anyway, um, we open up, and this is connecting into, like, Spider-Verse. So, uh, the world we're in, like, they call it Loom World, and what Jessica's been given mission-wise is to go there and do recon, spy stuff, which is what she does. Spy stuff. And, uh, figure out secrets about the world and how it works. And apparently what this world is built up of is different pieces from worlds that were conquered by all the, uh... Oh, I can't remember the name of the family now. Morelands. The Morelands. So the same ones that are killing all the Spider-Man, all these worlds they've captured or conquered, this whole world's built up of pieces of that. And Jessica, being a spider-powered person, would also be on their list of people they'd be looking for. Anyway, so while we're there, we see, like, flying cars, pirate ships, um, dudes in space uniforms, and cowboys riding on horseback. So the world's an amalgam of craziness. You know, like, you've got all kinds of stuff happening in there. And Jessica, she's basically trying to blend into the background, which doesn't work too well. Not just because of her being a spider person, but as she's walking around, these people start talking to her like they know her, calling her Miss Jessica. And she picks up the idea that she must look like somebody else in that world, which does turn out to be true. Um... In the process, she winds up getting mobbed by a crowd, kind of, and uh, she asks him to leave her alone. And which turns to a couple of pirate type guys basically grabbing her in the street, telling everybody else to get the hell away, and they take her. When they first take her away, we don't know what's going on. But they wind up taking her to this pirate ship, which apparently, well, we, we find out, is run by a guy who has a partnership with the Jessica of this world, and they split shared uh, treasure. So anytime he comes across uh, stolen property, he gives her a cut of it. And it sounds like uh, he does all the stealing and then she comes over and she cherry picks whatever she likes. Whatever she likes for letting him do it. Right. So very much like, uh, it's almost like he works He works for her, but that's not really what's going on. Anyway, well the two of them were talking and he, uh, she knows now for sure that there's someone else that looks like her. And he asked her about her mask because he didn't think she was a masked person. She's like, oh, masks are so in. You know how I am with, 
with uh, fashion and basically just treacheries him, starts using her pheromone powers, and of course that automatically makes her the winner of pretty much anything going on with him. And uh, is basically trying to gather information. Um, and uh, we cut from there to this kid who's working on like a robot clock, which reminds me of the thing from uh, God, what, Clash of the Titans. <laughs> yeah, not not the bad ones, but the original ones. With the owl. And he's super excited, and he goes running out into the street with the owl after his mom finishes it. And we cut to the scene of Jessica Drew without her mask on. Giving, giving flowers. So all the stuff that's happening to Jessica, our Jessica, in the street before is happening to this Jessica, except she has a couple bodyguards with her, and no mask. So, eh, it's crazy, because there's two of her. Anyway, um, in the process of going through the crowd and collecting all of her random spoils, because everyone loves her, uh, this little, the little kid that we saw earlier with the clock touches her on the back, and he catches her attention she turns around and of course her face tells us she's not happy that he touched her and he goes to give her the clock he's like oh i'm sorry i touched you i know i'm not supposed to um my mom worked really hard on this and wanted you to have it and she basically takes the clock has the, the one of the guards beat the kid up and then drops it on the ground and off she goes uh very to quote the previous book bitch type it, which is crazy and as the guards walk away we don't really get a shot of their faces but we see the what looked was like Asgardian helmets on them, which is cr also crazy. But this whole world's an amalgam of things, so I, it mu I assume it must be Jessica Drew from another world. And we do find out a little bit later more about that. Anyway, we cut back to our Jessica, who's basically hanging out with the captain guy, trying to get information. He's he's very influenced by her. Uh, by her pheromone powers. During this, she winds up seeing the other her come onto the ship and realizes that uh, they're both going to be there and that's going to be a problem. So she tells him, uh, there's another me that's going to show up. Just pretend like it's the first time I got here and everything will be okay, all right? And out she jumps the window, which is crazy because you basically just escaped narrowly. And uh, the only real difference between the two of them is one wears the, the one without the mask wears a sash around her waist and our Jessica has the mask. Other than that, they look exactly the same. We cut from there to Silk, who's currently being chased by two of the Morlands, uh, twins, male and female, and she's running through the city, trying to escape from them. And we found out she had a teller; she was given a teleporter earlier, and she managed to break it. Uh, anyway, they're basically blowing everything up, and she realizes that maybe she shouldn't she shouldn't have evaded the people that were there to watch her, because now she's cornered and trapped, basically. And we go to the two Morlins are both talking about how how they found the bride, which is odd that they call her the bride. And the girl starts talking to the boy about not playing with his food. Because that basically the idea is they drain the power from the spider people. That's what the whole bag of the Morlins is. And uh, in the middle of all this, she decides to escape them. Well, maybe she should just jump through their teleport hole. So she does that. And escapes them by jumping into Loom World, basically. Of course, then the two of them turn on each other for a second. And uh, we skip back to Loom World where we see Jessica, Miss Jessica, the other Jessica, at this aristocratic castle. And there's a servant. He's kind of like a robot, looks like. Or a servant-type man. Giving her this bottle of wine. And she, wind, she winds up telling him to go ahead and leave. And uh, one of her guards is like, oh... 
So, uh, you could have got any, a lot of that from Morland. And she's like, yeah, but this one I can drink by myself. And he's like, you know, he's going to get lashes for that. She's like, he's going to get lashes forever. This way, at least I get some wine. So, she's really a piece of work. We go a little farther. The two twins show up. And they're chasing Silk still. And so we find out what Silk jumped into wasn't just Loom World. She jumped into, like, the royal castle in Loom World. Which is exactly where this Jessica is at. And where the twins have come now with their guard and they're searching for her. So they tell Jessica that if she sees a spider totem to yell. And we get the idea that she she's not liked by either one of them. She bows to them. Uh, but who, she's connected to the older brother of Morlin, and that's the only reason she's still around. She's super... She's like a pet. Yeah, yeah like he's kept woman. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the two of them leave, and uh, we see Silk come running through the screen, who sees Jessica, and of course she stops and she's like, Jessica, Jessica, and runs over to her, and at that point she of course starts screaming for the totem, and we've noticed a little earlier that our Jessica's been following this Jessica, who basically runs out there and cold cocks the bitch. And it's like, I've been waiting to do that. Worst thing about watching her is watching me do these things that are terrible. And so she, her and Silk are talking for a second, and she, Silk tells her she evaded her people who are supposed to be watching her and then broke her teleporter. So Jessica gives her her teleporter and tells her to go back home. And she's like, well, you'll be stuck here, though. And she goes, well, I've got a plan about that. So Silk teleports away, and uh, Jessica drags off other Jessica basically by her hair. And then we cut to where, where uh, Silk teleported. And uh, she teleports into what looks like a wasteland. It's like New York, but it's all destroyed. Like, everything is destroyed there. And she's she starts kind of choking on the air. And then we see the, tele- the portal door that the Morlins were using open up, and in walks the male twin... And he automatically starts choking also. So him and her are both choking on what looks like the air. He gets pulled back into their teleport area, so they're back in the back in the castle. And the sisters tells him, oh, she managed to jump to the only world that we can't go to because it's been eradicated by a nuclear bomb. And she tells him, well, the worst thing you've done, brother, is she's seen you not be able to go there. And she knows it. And she knows it. <laughs> so... Basically, she's figured out that what the world, whatever Earth, they tell you it's the Earth she's on, but I don't remember the number. Um, they can't go to. Uh, so from there, we jump back to Jessica, who has now showed up at the pirates' um, ship with a giant trunk, and she asks him to do her a favor and take it out to sea for two days, and just hold it. And uh, he's like, oh, you're not going to try to trick me? She's like, no, no, this is, I'm just being honest with you. Take it out and, to see for me for a little bit. And then she leaves from there back to the royal, the royal castle. And she's walking around there basically pretending to be the other Jessica. And finds out that Morlin, the, uh, Morlin's brother, the older one, she apparently is not just his pet, but like his concubine, maybe? And, uh... We find out that what she's done is the chest, the, the big trunk, has the other Jessica in it. So the captain who's got the deal with Jessica currently has that same Jessica that he's been working for in a treasure chest out in the middle of nowhere. So she can pretend to be her. Um, but yeah, so espionage-wise, up to this point, Jessica's like, it's a normal thing I always do. Espionage, blah, 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 pretend to be what I'm not. 
And then we find out she may have to do more than just pretend with this dude. Because, uh, yeah, he full on, like, mouth kisses her, and she's like, oh my god! And this whole time, we're like, well, if they find out it's not really her, are they gonna eat her? Because that's kind of what they do. <laughs> not eat her, eat her the right. way you were thinking, <laughs> mister. Anyway, uh, fairly interesting book. You know, I, it was, it was pretty cool. I like, I, I don't know, I like Jessica Drew. Like, the whole idea of her is that she's basically an espionage chick. How she does that in a giant red and yellow uniform, eh, you know, mostly doesn't, isn't a good idea because you can see it real easy. Book-wise, you know, I, I like the art of this one. Um, I give it a three and a half. Like, it, it's an interesting story. The whole Spider-Verse crossover stuff makes things really crazy, so I don't know once we get past that what the book's going to be like. Um, so far, I like it. Uh, Rob? Yeah, I'll give it a three and a half as well. I actually really enjoyed the story. Um, I'm not a big fan of Spider-Woman, but I actually really enjoy how she works in this story. And I'm not a huge fan of Silk either, so I'm kind of glad to see them actually using her for something. Right on. Mr. Mike? I'm not a big uh, Spider-Woman fan either. Um, the only really redeeming quality of this book for me is that it's Spider-Verse. Uh, it's involved in the Spider-Verse, so I'll give it a two and a half. Hmm. Huh? Mr. Ross? Um, I'd probably give it a three. Just, once again, not exactly my thing either, but uh, right. it seemed like, a, like an interesting story at the very least, so. Cool. There it is. I'll give it a three as well. Um, yeah, I got nothing bad to say about it really, but uh, it's leading into something better, I think. So. Well, yeah, I'm hoping once Spider Verse ends, it will, it'll give a different flavor to the story. And with this whole costume change, maybe that'll help people care. I personally, I like her costume, and I'm kind of in the boat with Rob with that. If that if that's what they gotta do is dumb down the costume, and so idiots can figure out that she's cool. Okay, uh, Craig. Uh, it's like they're trying to put everything in there to get me to like this comic book, but I just can't bring myself to care about Spider-Woman. <laughs> I got crazy dinosaur cowboys, and I was like, Craig, like this comic book. It's got crazy, crazy space guy walking in the street. Sure, you should like this, right? But I can't care about Jessica Drew. Um... She's in a, a bad situation, and I can appreciate that. I still don't care. There's Silk in there, and Silk could be it could be something. I'd want to spend more time with her, or Spider-Gwen was mentioned as one of her uh, protectors or whatever. She could be interesting. Um, I wish they had done something with her in this, in this for me, instead. But eh, I'll give it a... 2.75. It's got Straczynski's Moreland in there, and I love Straczynski's run, so I'll be generous and throw in some points for Straczynski. <laughs> it's got, like, three Morelands in there, so... There's three Morelands! <laughs> At least. Even I one gave of them, a chick. I gave them 25, uh, .25 for each Moreland. <laughs> Man. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, well, with that, let's move on to Batman and Robin, number 37, Young Ross. All Tell right. us a story about Batman. This is definitely the... Oh, please. Well, it, it's it's the big conclusion 
to the Robin Rises story arc that's been building for a long time now. Right. Um, kick off right off the start with Darkseid talking to Batman. And this is the first time... I don't think we even heard Darkseid talk in Justice League when they first fought I don't him. think so. I think there was mostly just battling. Yeah. Not like, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, it's been a while, but I, I think there was a little bit, but not much. Yeah, definitely, definitely wasn't anything like this. No. Um, but it's really cool because he actually references that at the very start of it, and he's like, You're, "The wounds you've caused me have just made me stronger." And uh, talking about how he's going to crush Batman. And, right. Uh, you have a shot with Batman in the cool Hellbat suit that he's been wearing for the past couple issues, along with all the Robins and Cyborg and Titus. Um, basically just gearing up for their big fight. Uh, right before they're about to fight, Calabac decides that he's going to kill him for Darkseid. He'll just kill Batman and be over with. And as he's about to do it, Batman opens a boom tube and teleports him somewhere else on the planet. Like remote control style? Yeah, it's awesome. That was pretty cool. <laughs> just yeah. trying to sneak up behind him and he thinks... All great and teleports them. Like I'm guessing it's like clear across the planet. It's probably pretty far away. It's hard to say, but we definitely saw some of the like little green guys that the Robins encountered. Mm. Um, and then it, pretty much for a good portion of this issue, we have Batman fighting Darkseid with his Hellbat suit. And actually, something to to keep in mind, I, I'm still impressed that they remembered Darkseid is so much bigger than he used to be. Yeah. So he, he does physically dwarf Batman, and they did a really good job of showing that. Mm. But uh, the Hellbat suit, holy cow, it must be pretty powered up, because it's, you know, going toe-to-toe with Darkseid, that's like Superman caliber. Yeah, and earlier, I mean, they kind of referenced a little bit in this, but we learned that the more he uses that suit, the more damage it does to his body, too. Yeah. That's, like, the big trade-off for it, isn't it? Yeah, it was even risky enough that Lex was worried about using it. Mm. So... Um, during the fight, we find out that, uh, Cyborg has had some, I think he says that some of his wires have been fused or something. Yeah, he gets blasted the issue before <clears throat> and takes him out, basically. Mm. Um, and so he has Batgirl help him to try to teleport him back to Earth. Yeah, basically working on him to try to fix him or at least make the teleportation part work. Yeah. I really like this, too. I was talking to Curtis about this before we started, but ever since she's gone back to being Batgirl and not Oracle, we've kind of lost that she's, like, a computer genius. Right. So it's really cool to see that part being reenacted again within <laughs> the story. Did um, somebody remember that she's smart? Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. Not this crazy college kid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go on, Ross. Um, as they're fighting, you see uh, the big thing that Batman has is he has the piece of the Chaos Shard still, and he believes that that's, I th- that's what will bring Damien back, ultimately. I was kind of surprised that Apocalypse recognized it. That's what it was. Yeah. Darkseid? So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Darkseid. I did call him Apocalypse today. <laughs> they're on Apocalypse, so it's yeah. all right. <coughs> well, I figure it was because the... Uh, Chaos Shard is probably their technology to to begin with. Oh yeah, it's definitely from Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And during their fight, it, it looks like Darkseid's getting the better hand towards the start of it. Uh, dealing some pretty devastating damage to Batman's boom tube technology. Yeah. And his arm and legs and all kinds of crazy stuff there. Yeah, it throws him off a little chasm and then he jumps on top of him. Yeah. Um, he, he's going to save the... the like he, go, he, Darkseid says something about, well, you must be here for this, and he basically knocks it off the edge and so Batman dies after it and the process is where that whole getting stomped on thing happens because mm-hmm. he's trying to save Damien's casket from going into the whatever I guess the lava beneath it yeah it's a lot of lava on Apocalypse heck yeah yep as uh as he jumps on him it looks like he grabs Damien's sarcophagus yep and then he has Batman's like hellbat wings um and he's ripped off of his body yeah. Um, uh, as as they're fighting, he's saying, "What unimaginable horrors has the Chaos Shard shown you that you would go to this extent?" Um, and as as they're doing it, um, Batman has a really cool line of unimaginable horrors. Unfortunately haven't been left to my imagination. And right as he says that, his cape, like, bursts into a bunch of bats. Right. Crazy looking. We wound up seeing this, that crazy clicking noise happen before that, too. Yeah, he makes the same, like, yeah. sound that Damien always makes. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. Yeah, it's tisk. Yeah. Um. And as the bats kind of distract... Dark side, Batman gets a good punch in, and uh, Dark side throws the sarcophagus again, and Batman catches the chaos shard. And uh, as they're fighting, Batman says, "Well, what are you waiting for? Do it, kill me." And uh, Dark side goes to shoot off his Omega beams, and as he does it, Batman uses the chaos shard somehow. To attract the Omega Beams and basically like superpower his suit, and he shoots Darkseid with like what were you calling it earlier? Like a the repulsion beam. Like yeah, Iron Man? he uses the bat symbol in the front of his costume, just like Iron Man uses repulsor beams. Yeah, mm-hmm. but with chaos power from the Darkseid uh, Omega Beams. Yeah, and I love when it shoots him against the wall. It has the bat symbol, and you can see her dark side. Yeah, that was freaking awesome. Um, and right about that same time, he also manages to get uh, Damien's sarcophagus and Batgirl gets Cyborg to open the boom tube. Right. And they all head back. And you can tell that the power is, like, crazy in his suit at this time, too. It's changed colors completely. It's in like the he's next... red hot. Yeah. Um, and as they get back, uh, Batman is struggling to open Damien's sarcophagus. And so, uh, and then trying to decide what to do, he just stabs the chaos shard into uh, the sarcophagus. We have the entire time, like the suit getting yeah. to be too much for him yeah, to handle. Inject the helmet, yeah, and, and the gloves. gloves. Yeah, it was it's like the suit's like eating him almost. An eternity for and Batman. Darcy mentioned though. that he was the only one that can touch the shard. Yeah, without it having a negative negative effect, effect on. on him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Bruce's skin was looking pretty baked before he jams it into the... He's yeah. Yeah. a little dark sidey himself. Yeah. Yeah. And as he uh, 
slams it into the sarcophagus, he sees his parents' death on one side and Damien's death on the other. And he yells, no, stop, don't make me choose. Um, so I'm guessing that the, that the chaos shard has given him the choice of either he could go back and save his parents or he could bring back Damien. Damien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- interesting that concept. Those are those unimaginable horrors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, and he decides to go with Damien and he stabs the chaos shard into the sarcophagus to bring Damien back. Um, there's a, an explosion when he stabs it in, and then his dark side esque face returns to normal, normal. space. Yeah, you basically yeah. see the pieces either flaking off or melting off or mm-hmm. burning off or something. It's, it's hard the, to say what they're doing, but yeah. It's the best decision for Bruce, really. Right. <laughs> I don't care how much money, you know, you go around looking like dark side, you're not going to be a millionaire playboy anymore. That's true. Mm-hmm. And that explodes the coffin. Yep. And then we see Bruce with Damien in his hands, and Damien starts to wake up. He opens one eye, and he reaches up and says, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. There's this, uh, the next page is like a giant spread, and you've got Alfred and the uh, Red Robin, Red Hood, Batgirl, and Titus all on one side, and... uh, Damien and Bruce like hugging on the other side. Right. But what makes it great is the look on Titus's face. Yeah. Like it's just, it's hard to explain, but it's <laughs> like the best look ever. I'm just like so surprised to see him and stuff. If you have a dog, you've seen that look before. Right? <laughs> um, and then we have the next page with pretty much you know, Titus reuniting with him, and uh, everyone's very emotional. And right at the very last minute, Bruce collapses and ends with Damien yelling, Father. I was under the impression that he might have died at the end of this. And that that Damien might have to go back to Apocalypse to f- somehow find a way to revive him. I don't think, after reading it again, I don't think that's the case. I think he's probably just exhausted. Yeah, I kind of think he did, though. I kind of think he did die. You think? Yeah. I kind of think that the toll was too much. This is the big RPG moment where they save the character and he just passes out from sheer exhaustion. It's possible. Uh, Or in the opening panels, you know, Damien brings his father back to life by, you know, CPR. <laughs> we have. I hope that's not the case. We might, yeah. Well, it might show like his uh, superpowers to mm-hmm. bring him back or something in the next. Two. We have seen a picture of Damien fighting Calavac in the next yeah. issue. Whether or not that's mm-hmm. on Apocalypse or somehow Calavac finds his way to Earth to get revenge or something. Yeah. DC is terrible at spoiling its own events. Yeah, mm, true, true. But there's been no. Bruce Wayne dead? What? Yeah. So, I don't so know about that. So, it's a that, lot that Bruce, I, I, Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne is now dead, and now we have Damien. I think... But Damien is improved. I think if he is if he is dead, they haven't made a big deal about it, because it's just going to be an instant revive. Right, like yeah. the next It's going to be terribly temporary. Yeah. yeah. I, I do like that there's a whole moment here where everybody's like, oh my god, Damien's back, and Cyborg's on the floor, and he's like, I can't move my head. Somebody <laughs> tell me what's going on, and like, oh. the two reds are just like, holy crap! That's, you know what's funny is I read that, and I couldn't. I was like, is that Red Hood saying that? I couldn't figure out. Oh no, it's, it's uh, Cyborg on the floor. 
<laughs> oh, I'll be darned. That's awesome. That makes so much more sense now. I was actually I was asking Curtis before we started, like oh, where yeah. Cyborg was in this whole thing. Yeah, yeah he's, we don't see him. He's lying on the ground behind the rest of the family. <laughs> he's been three PO. His body's all uh, <laughs> pretty know, much yeah, exactly. Circuits are are fused, so he couldn't. He had no movement. Move you, you see, even at the end of that, Red Robin carries him out of Apocalypse. Maybe. I. It's funny where it's written, because I, I, I can see what you mean. It could be Red Hood's because of the helmet, maybe, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it's not really pointing towards him. No. I just couldn't figure out what it was, who was yeah. saying it. So it was like... It would have been funny. Maybe if we got a page to explain that, I don't know. It's it's really funny, because, yeah, it's just like 3PO wings being carried on Chewbacca. Yeah. It, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> anyway. It's really cool. Uh, raw score book? I would give it uh, as much as I want to give it a five, because I really, really did like this. Right. The crazy magic ending is a little bit off-putting to me, and just it's just not a very Batman-y way to fix things. Right. To shove the magic thing into Damien's sarcophagus, but I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to explain it. He's Ross. been playing Final Fantasy, dude. Uh, this is how this he, stuff you works. Remember, he did dismantle Frankenstein too. So. Yeah, well, that's a good point. It just it, it didn't seem very. Thought out to me. I think if the taking apart Frankenstein thing makes a lot more sense. Actually, you're like, yeah, I got this supercharged crystal thing. Jam it into the boy. Okay, <laughs> it's a Pulp Fiction option. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So scorebook, Ross. I would, I would give it a four and a half. Perfect. One of the other things I really, really liked about it, really quick, was that I liked that it mixed the Batman family with like the rest of the DC universe. Which we haven't seen a whole whole lot of yet, so it was kind of, it was really cool to see like Cyborg with Batgirl and Red Robin and right as a, as a mixed together. Yeah, you know I'm I'm really glad that Cyborg is still being a, an actual like productive character mm -hmm. for Marvel because I I was really worried he was going to just fall in and be Martian Manhunter. Yeah, sit at the tower. Yep, they've used him in a lot of really good ways. Mr. Curtis, once again, Tomasi and Gleason. Really can't do any wrong, but we were talking earlier, Ross and I, about the magical ending, and it just kind of threw me off. Uh, maybe focus the energy through the shard from the suit, and then do it that way, not just stabbing a sarcophagus. Um, there's no real science in that, but um, I'm going to give it a, a solid four. It was very enjoyable. Uh, it's a series I look forward to every every month. So, cool, okay. Yeah, I'll go with a four. Four seems fair. This is the big RPG ending. You got your character back. Everybody's happy. Kind of got a brief little breather now. There was a, a part in there where it could have been a little more clear what uh, was going on with the uh, with the uh, chaos crystal. What it was trying to trying to do with uh, showing him pictures of his parents and uh, the kid. You know, if there was supposed to be. A decision that he could have made to uh, save the parents instead of his kids. It could have maybe used some, you know, narration boxes. You know, I can do a lot of things. I'm a chaos crystal. Right. What you gonna do? You know that kind of uh, kind of thing to make it, uh, you know, ratchet up the uh, the uh, circum the uh, consequences, tension a, yeah. tension a little more. Hmm. But uh, the arts. Great. I mm. mean, we had the uh, you know, we had uh, Dark Side. We had his, uh, his suit do admirably against uh, a big bad D. Surprisingly well, yes. 
Right on. You know, pretty clever moments in there with, with the cape and stuff like that. So just maybe a little more polishing on this one, maybe. Mm -hmm. But four is certainly decent. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know, I, I give it a four also. Like, book-wise, it, it's it's entertaining. And that the suit is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Maybe a little more explanation. But maybe when we get to the next issue, there'll be pieces of that. And, like, the, I mean, as far as Batman facing off against Darkseid, we've seen it a couple times in the old universe. This was freaking awesome. Yeah. So, I, I'm pretty impressed with that. Just because Darkseid's... He's Superman level, plus the rest of the Justice League, and here's Batman like, yeah, I'm going to hit you. Yeah, it's really crazy awesome. to think about, like, going back to the first Justice League, and it took all of them to right. take him down, and this is just Batman. Right. Now, granted, it was with the crazy chaos shard and the blast or whatever, because they had the whole point where Calbat comes running in afterwards, and he's like, no, no. <laughs> Let him go. <laughs> Let him go. So that's like, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with all that. So, yeah, I'd give it a four. Rob? Well, it definitely paints a, a little bit more light onto um, Dark Side, so I like that about it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I, if I'm thinking right, isn't the Chaos Shard wasn't that from the first story arc for Batman Superman? Yep. So that ought to be a really interesting point of it, and what it's going to do, how it's going to affect both Bruce and Damian now. Um, yeah, it would have been nice if he ripped the top of the sarcophagus off. <laughs> But he's struggling with it. He's like, "How do you open this thing, Rasagul? You dumb stay. jerk!" I, I kind of thought, "Well, he can't get the, the top off, so I'm gonna use the shard to break the coffin." Oh, right, That's right. kind of how I thought. But I did. It just leverage. it made more sense to me that way instead of just stabbing it into the through the kid. You know, it just it just broke the coffin <clears throat> while revitalizing Davian. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a really good job of it. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not going to be seeing the Hellbat armor back, but holy cow, it was awesome. <laughs> uh, but I give it, yeah, I give it a four. I, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Mr. Mike, awesome issue. It's really good. I same. I have the same questions, and feels pretty much the same way as everybody else. So I give it a four. Right on. It's a good series. Uh, Gleason does some pretty amazing work in there. And Gleason's art in this looks more polished than the last few issues. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder he, he, if he had more time. Looks well, like maybe. he took his time on this yeah, one. I mean, there's some crazy... Yeah. Well, he had like a whole zone Ross especially, was talking about yeah, when he, especially when he at uh, the end. knocked out Darkseid and the bat in the background yeah. was laying under it. I mean, all that detail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Really the yeah. detail on uh, Darkseid at the beginning on that first page and then uh, the sequence at the end was... Uh, was uh, really polished. Yeah, it's good stuff. Maybe maybe Pat had that extra month with the whole <laughs> Future's End star. The what was it called? Future's End. Yeah, yeah. Future's End. It book. could have been his inker too that embellished some. Oh, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I think it's Mick Grazer. E either direction, it yeah. came out really awesome. Regardless of who was responsible for it, mm -hmm. but yeah, it awesome. <laughs> the cover's freaking cool too. Anyway, um, so uh, I think. Uh, Next show is going to be the uh, year end, year end uh, gabbity gab thing. Year end extravaganza. Boom! Oh. Hey! Wow. Well, we look Incredible. back at the year and we say there were some fine comics in 2014. Holy crap! Those comics were pretty fine. It's a good way to explain it, announcer guy. <laughs> ah, so uh, before we do that, let's uh, 
<laughs> we keep him in the closet. <laughs> it's, it's a weird place for the dude to be at, but you know, it's got a light in there. So. Uh, a few dog biscuits. A chair. Uh, it's a stool, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ross books to watch. Batman and Robin. Boom. That's it. Right now. All right. Uh, actually, what there should be a uh, Robin Rises Alpha. Yeah. Because yep. it started with Omega. Yeah. So yep. that be that'll be one. the next. That'll be. I, I have a feeling like it'll be like an epilogue to the story, kind of. It'll be cool. It'll wrap up? Yeah. Maybe. Mr. Curtis? Evidently, there's going to be a new, new Shazam book in development. Oh. Um, Doc Shanner, who was doing Flash Gordon, is going to be drawing it. So it's, it's, a, it's a good fit. Look out for that. Um, I don't know. Copperhead, keep an eye out on that one. Wayward, really good. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that one. And uh, there's stuff coming down the line that I can't remember, so. Yeah. Watch out for the stuff Curtis can't remember. Exactly. (laughs) Expect the unexpected. Look at your previews and figure that one out for yourself. (laughs) All right. Uh, Craig? Oh, uh, Monster Motors is supposed to be coming out with a new issue. Two part, yep. Yep, yep. Mini Van Helsing? Mini Van Helsing. Great name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's from IDW. Right on. Uh, Rob? Um, actually, Birthright is fantastic, so that's one to really kind of keep an eye on. If you haven't checked it out, do pick it up because it's, it's dynamite. Uh, Wolverine, or sorry, Spider-Man and the X-Men. Real strong start, so definitely be worth checking out. Um, keep an eye on all of the books as they finish out for DC, but uh, God's Head, I think, is going to be a big finish, so. Well, Miss Mike? Oh, as usual, Black Science, Deadly Class, uh, Witches, Guardians of the Galaxy, keep an eye on Rocket Raccoon, that's been pretty pretty good. All right. Well, the, following you up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, we're going to have the uh, Black Vortex happen. That crossover should be pretty should be pretty interesting. It's going to be another mix with the Guardians and the uh, all new X Men and the Star Lord. At least Star Lord has one book in there, maybe two. Uh, so it should be pretty interesting. I mean, especially with the whole Star Lord Kitty Pride thing going on in the books. So it'll be interesting to see what Black Vortex winds up being about. Um, Are the Guardians strong enough to save the X Men from the mouse? You know what? I I certainly hope so. He likes cheese. Mm. He's a real son of a bitch. And he likes to cancel <laughs> franchises. That's true, he does. That's true, he, he does. But not the X-Men. That's a good point. That's the one I was talking about. <sighs> Man, that's a good I missed that entirely. Good job, Craig. Good job. But okay. The all-new X-Men, you know. I, it's been fantastic. It's been really good, yeah. but they got to go back someday. <laughs> <laughs> they got to go back hope. to the 60s sometime. Man. Yeah, well, sometime. Anyway, so I would give you that one. Uh, man, they're going to be in the whole... Uh, Arkham Manor, so I don't know, get on it before it's gone because that thing is great. Yeah. Like, I've liked it a lot. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really good, but I, I'm not super surprised because I just didn't think it was going to be a long time book. I don't see how it could be ongoing forever. I mean, eventually the manor's got to go back to being the manor, but at the same time, I mean, if you're going to make it a miniseries, then uh, say it's a miniseries. Yeah, I kind of expected more than, I don't know, six issues. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, it's uh, not very long to do a whole bunch of renovations to the mansion for. I don't know, six months? Well, in current time, it could be forever. And how is Batman going to get that big chunk of cement out of the stairs? Seriously, right? <laughs> My God. 
<laughs> Weird choices, dude. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, I obviously picked that one up because it, it's it's been good. Like I've I've, I've liked it. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's it. Is that anything else? Any parting parting words there, Ross? No. Uh, all right. Is it some tequila? Alright, Mike. Uh, nah, maybe, maybe for maybe for episode fifty. Oi, oh. skillet. Oi, skillet. Oh, <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs> 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 <laughs>